day and welcome to Turning Your Cruising Dreams into Reality podcast. I'm Jackie Parry and it's good to have your company. Today I'm going to tell you about our experience going through the magnificent Panama Canal. It was, certainly was an exciting time and I know things change but this was how it happened for us and it's a wonderful memory and I hope you enjoy the ride. This episode is brought to you by Pentanius Yacht Insurance. A shroud of mystery envelopes the modus operandi for traversing the Panama Canal. Gossip, rumour and dare I say a little tittle-tattle gave the crew of Maraitu some serious forehead creases as we approached the infamous Isthmus. There are assorted methods to choose from to achieve the same thing. Whether at anchor or in the mosquito-infested marina, there is a standard three days to complete all the paperwork. Once you have handed over all your dollars to anyone you meet, lied through your teeth and signed your life away, you accomplish your go-through date. Depending how you reach this highly sought status, those three days can be effortless or can feel as though you have a three-day pass into hell. Cologne is a dangerous city. It has been for years and there is no sign of improvement. Almost 30% of the population are unemployed and their idea of making a buck is somewhat frightening. While at anchor we hear about a death and several muggings only 200 yards from the cool, shabby bar on shore. The anchorage, called the Flats, is safe, but each night dinghies are vanishing at a scary rate of knots. At least four went missing in our fun-filled 10-day stay. It makes you wonder how much longer before the dinghy thieves expand their business into other malicious endeavours. Onshore, imprisoned within the compound, so a high wall surrounded with barbed wire, you are safe. Tough guys with immense attitude instead of sense walk into town. But we think one US dollar taxi fare, why would you take a risk? We can cluck with the biggest chickens, but why play lotto with your life to save a buck? A murder in Cologne is as regular as boat maintenance. So where do we start? Well, contrary to speculation, you can complete all the paperwork yourself. Since a probable mugging and potential death is part and parcel of this option, I would advise against it. Also, we are told that a fine of five to six thousand US dollars is applied if the paperwork is not completed properly. Hiring an agent costs an extra 10% of your total fee with which you acquire the privilege of cooking a steak dinner for your mediator. The rewards are slim, maybe buying one day and you can still be ungraciously bumped like the rest of us. So we opt for the taxi driver option. This does have its pitfalls, but the drivers offer steerage through a seemingly rudderless experience. For 30 US dollars, an English-speaking driver will take you to each office in turn in an air-conditioned car with locks. 
They will help you complete the forms that are in Spanish. This was particularly helpful to the ignorant crew on Mariah 2. And explain what the bejesus is going on. But your wits should still be dialed on to high alert. The drivers are there to make as many green bits of paper as possible. The smiley taxi driver who assigned himself to us told a few half-truths that, unchecked, would have cost us bundled more in hidden fees. Other taxi drivers we found very trustworthy, so it's good practice to check and compare information with other cruisers. Day 1. Have your patient head on. The immigration office is near the laundry and showers within the grandly named compound. Have boat papers and crew list in triplicate at the ready. Here they will officially stamp and sign one of the crew lists. Hang on to this. The remaining box tickers will want to see it. It's here the taxi drivers will start touting for business. Once a driver has selected you, sit back, lock your door and enjoy the surreal sounds from relative safety. At Customs, you complete an inordinate detailed form that covers all but your inside leg measurement. This is for each person that has arrived in Panama via boat. Next, the Marine Office, where a young officer will stamp paperwork, sign, log and scribble, smile politely and hand you more bits of paper. Lastly, as you start sagging at the knees with heat and a tree load of paper, you arrive at the Advisors Stroke Schedulers office. Here they will look at one or two of the sheaves you possess and arrange for the Ad Measurer to come the following day to measure your boat. Day 2. This is where the pressure starts mounting. They say the Ad Measurer will come to your boat between 9am and 2pm. What they actually mean is he will arrive about 1pm, leaving you in a panic. You pay your transit fee after the ad measurer has given you another piece of paper and you can only pay at a bank. In order not to lose a whole precious day, it's a good idea to be measured and pay the same day. However, the bank frustratingly shuts at 2pm. I think this is a cunning plan by the officials to buy more time. After hearing of the two to three week delay in locking through, the crew on Mariah 2 were a mite stressful and anxious to reach the bank. Needless to say, it didn't happen. To give you a smidgen of a chance to complete these two simple tasks on the same day, keep a sharp lookout for the ad measurer. A boat with pilot written on the side will cruise the anchorage. The ad measurer will stand on the bow in a life jacket. Ferocious waving, perhaps a horn, and a good lot of shouting to make yourself known is a good idea, as they seem to have a great problem in spotting you. If the pilot does not see you, or cannot jump on board as your sun covers are in the way, he will shrug his shoulders and tootle off home. Once on board, he'll run a tape measure from your bow to stern, including all your added gadgets like a wind vane then meet you in the bar at an agreed time. Try to complete the paperwork on board. This may help lessen the numerous delays. If you are meeting in the bar, get there early and pounce as soon as you spot him. If you don't, someone else will, 
and an hour or so later you'll get your chance to complete a ton of paperwork. By then, 2pm has been and gone, so you may as well have a beer or two and arrange the taxi driver to take you to the bank the following day. Before I get into day three, I want to talk about a little, hmm, a little lie that has to happen along the way. All the paperwork has a little box where you write your speed. Never has a little square on a piece of paper raised so much background debate. This is where true, blue, honest cruisers struggle. Take heed. Lie or you won't go through. You have to write eight knots. You know you're lying. They know you're lying. And you all know, you all know you're lying. Still, put eight knots. Sitting with our friendly ad measurer, the strain of blatant deceit takes its toll. And Noel takes a punt at suggesting seven knots. That's a stretch for us, but maybe possible. It's still a lie, but a splash closer to the truth. In response, the official screws up his eyebrows, frowns and says, I'll just put eight knots anyhow. It's all a game of ticking the right boxes and writing what they want to read. Day three, go to the bank early to avoid the heat and the queues. You can pay by cash or visa, but if you can pay by visa, do, as they will take the fee and simply swipe the card for the buffer. So the buffer is like a deposit. So they don't take this buffer unless you cause some damage. If you pay with cash, they will take the fee and the buffer. The buffer is returned, if, if all's well, six weeks later to an address you have specified. Only after paying you reach the end of your yellow brick road and you can call the wizard after 6pm to acquire your go-through date. Satisfied and a little smug that we already have line handlers in the form of family, we are a little deflated to find out that we need yet another person. My dad, Roy, and Noel's brother, Cole, have flown in from the UK and Australia respectively. After harassing us for a year to ensure their place on board for the great event. Squished on board with three large men, I was a little thrown to hear of another person to cater for. Four line handlers are required, plus the helmsman. Finding helping hands can be tricky. In an ideal world, you line handle for a boat and they return the favour. However, the words ideal and boats just don't go in the same sentence. It all falls down when the first boat reaches the Pacific and the relatively safe city of Balboa and the crew cringes at the thought of returning to crime-riddled Cologne to return the line handling favour. Desirable and not so desirable backpackers mill around looking for a free ride. Although some want paying. 
Taxi drivers with dollars ringing in their eyes will spiel a story how pilots have been known to leave a boat if backpackers are part of the crew. What they don't realise is that we're all backpackers of sorts, living on our wits, just travelling with our home afloat instead of on our backs. Employing the driver's men is an option, which at 55 US dollars a day is exactly what they are trying to achieve. We've seen these guys in action. While causing no major problems, their attention span is that of a bored gnat. The day before our departure, we found Michael, a backpacker. A great find for us. He was helpful, friendly, ready to muck in, an all-round good company. You will feed your line handlers for the duration. Give them a bed for the night, if required, and the fare back to wherever you departed from. If possible, ask them to bring their own bedsheet and pillowcase to cut down on your deluge of laundry. Be prepared. Food forethought, preparation and paper plates will save your sanity. With six hungry labour on board, timing is of the essence. Once your pilot arrives, feed him. From the anchorage or marina to the first lock, there is plenty of time. Have a meal prepared that simply needs reheating for the rest of the crew. They will have to wait until you complete the first three locks until they are fed. Nibble items will help keep vocal and tummy grumbles at bay. Heading south, most boats depart in the evening, giving a comfy day and a half to complete the journey. Heading north, you have to do this trip in one day, and this is where parts of the speed battle slot into place, and the eight knot game can be won or lost, but we'll get to that. My dad, Roy, Noel and I encountered our first experience of locking through on board Theta, a New Zealand sailboat with our friends Barry and Judy. It is far less stressful when it is not your boat and fun if you're lucky enough to like the people you line handle for. Right here you can dispel the rumour that you have to be big, strong and tough to line handle. For me, being the prime caterer, finding out how to balance constantly feeding the masses while still being part of the line handler team was crucial for my enjoyment. We believe it's important to lock through with another boat first. To see and understand what happens can make your journey on board your boat far less stressful. So what do you need? You will need four times 36 meter lines void of knots and fraying. The line should be 30 mil with a meter long splice loop at the end. Most likely you will only use two sets, but spares are a requirement as you may tie on your own in the middle of the lock, and that requires four lines. You can hire these from the taxi driver for 60 US dollars. So that's 15 bucks each. Some boats are asked for a $50 deposit and some are not. We obviously looked a bit dodgy and warily handed over the deposit. For fenders, you can hire tyres for three US dollars each and five tyres each side. 
for a 10 to 15 metre boat is ample. Hiring the ropes and vendors is a hassle-free bargain. Once you reach Balboa, the ropes are collected from shore and your deposit returned. The tyres are collected from your boat for one US dollar per tyre. Keep your alert antenna high. A particularly greedy taxi driver, through his cheerful banter, quoted us an additional 20 bucks to have our lines collected at the other end. He was hoping we'd cough it up there and then. You do not need to pay this. There are some locking through options. You are offered four choices of how you want to lock through. You choose three. And these are your preference only. Your pilot will decide on the day how you go through. Number one, rafting up with a one or two other boats and tying in the middle of the lock. Two, going alone and tying to the side of the lock against the wall. Three, going alone in the middle. And four, alongside a tug. The least favourite is against the wall. Going up the turbulence could spin your boat, causing damage on the concrete wall. But it all depends who you lock through with. Talk of a separate day for sailing boats to traverse the locks is a big fat hairy rumour currently churning its way through the mill. We went through with ships, tugs and other sailboats. Between line handling on another boat, organising our line handlers, equipment and ferrying water, I felt as though I was running in four directions at once and should be hauling up the white flag. Instead, I duly called the scheduler every other day, or when instructed. Almost everybody gets bumped. We hear of only one boat bumped forward by a day, only after being bumped back. You can even get bumped on the day you are going. The minimum wait is a week. The later in the season, the better. There are additional options to hand over cosmic amounts of cash to speed things up and handpick pilots. But we were more likely to pluck stars from the sky and selecting pilots you do not know may be a little hard. The compound has a cafe and restaurant. Cheap eats are available daily in an air-conditioned, fly-free seated area. Burgers became a daily way to survive, grabbing the most convenient, cheap, quick meal as we galloped through the compound on our next mission. The added benefit of a hit of sodium, carbs and salt helped keep us at full speed, ensuring we fulfilled the day's projects. We give no thought of hardening arteries and bulging fat tanks and the intolerable levers of adrenaline killing heart cells left, right and centre. Our laid-back life has long gone over the horizon. Youthful heart failure de rigueur. For ten days we sail along the stressful stream of organising our transit, preparing the team and are finally on our way. It's a good idea to take up your anchor or leave the marina in preparation for the arrival of your pilot. But between 1700 and 1800 hours we mill around the anchor site and our advisor or pilot jumps on board. 
Thoughtfully, he has already eaten, but manages to post a few yummy muffins down his throat. Heading south, we putter for about three miles. Ensure the crew and line handles are nibble satisfied and await clearance. The first three locks are in succession, and this is where the turbulence can be fierce as the water is let into the huge concrete bath. Our pilot instructs us to raft to a similar sized boat and advises which boat supplies which lines. You need lines with a little give, despite what anyone says. When a tugboat hoons past, in, past you creating a tidal wave, you will be happy to have taken this advice. At times, fending off is not an option. You can fix boats, but not limbs. One boat will be the main driver. The pilots will discuss this and tell you exactly what they want. They will provide precise and constant direction. As you enter the first lock, take a peek at the men at the side swinging ropes. They will hurl these at you with startling accuracy. One aft, one fore. Keep your eyes on the ball or what is known as the monkey's fist. On the end of the rope there is a ball of metal. If this hits you, it hurts. I know. Organise your line handlers in teams fore and aft. Once the line is on board, come out of hiding and tie the ropes they have thrown to the loop at the end of your lines on board. You will then be led into the lock like a dog on a lead. Once nearing position, someone somewhere will shout and this is a signal to feed your lines out so that the linesmen on shore can loop your lines onto their bollards. Once your line is affixed to their bollard, it is your job to tighten and release as required. As the first three locks are one after another, the shore-based line handlers keep the lines and simply lead you through. Various accounts of pilots' attitudes seep through the quagmire of gossip. We hear good and bad things about the same people. When it comes down to it, it is about moods on the day and personalities. The five or six different pilots we witnessed on our two journeys like to snooze and eat. They were, however, alert when locking through. With plenty of good food, shade and obedience, you will have a smooth passage. The paperwork clearly states that if through a fault of the canal officials you are delayed, then they will bear the costs. But read on for the shrewdly inserted clause stating that if you cannot do the declared speeds, remember the eight knots, and you cause a delay, an additional 440 US dollars will be chargeable. This can be a problem if you are heading north, having to complete the whole canal transit in one day, and you incur delays at the locks. If your day goes smoothly, you should have enough time to do a lesser speed. However, if pressed for time, you'll be asked to do the eight knots. Mostly locking through is quick, with little delay, which graces most boats with enough time. After the third lock, 
Put your faith in your pilot as he will guide you to the mooring buoys. The stretch of water here is unmarked and by now darkness has laid her thick cloak. There are two large mooring buoys. Choose one to tie alongside to or after another boat if the buoys are already full. The buoys are large and you can easily step onto them to affix your lines. Anchoring is allowed, however it is very deep at over 30 metres and mooring is quick, safe and easy. By now you're all hot and sticky and heady with the excitement of being on top of a hill in Panama. The fresh water beckons and although 9pm at night Mariah 2's crew donned cozies and dived into the cool refreshing water. The surplus of fresh water is such a treat the shampoo gets a good airing. However, be warned, crocodiles lurk here. The following morning, a nearby French boat's crew enjoy a swim. As dawn grazed the sky, a small boat with a large man and an even larger gun headed towards the swimmer. I say, someone said in their best British accent, they're going to shoot the French. I could not help but notice the crowds gathering. The gun stayed prone, but the warning was clear to us all. You must not swim. If you do, it is at your own risk. There are many, many crocodiles here, came the stern statement. This caused more than a few shudders on board Mariah 2. As dawn peeks through the dark cloak of night, be ready to leave. Do not untie from your mooring or raise your anchor until the pilot is on board. Each member of our crew receives a severe reprimand as we had released our lives just moments before the pilot stepped on board. Not a good start. After our pilot ate a fully cooked breakfast, had a snooze and admitted that he had not slept the previous night, we turned our dour, scowling faces to more cheerful, welcoming smiles. Atop of the hill, before your final three locks, you can enjoy 30 miles of puttering through glistening lakes, enclosed within vivid fauna and well-marked channels. Smaller boats are guided through the banana cut, a slightly quicker route, avoiding some of the larger channels for bigger ships. The last three locks are easy. Water is let out and you are gently eased down. Be aware of other boats' turbulence. A large propeller gently eased into gear in front of your bow can make the peaceful water turn tumultuous in moments. Here you may encounter tourist boats where school children will divert your attention for a wave and a smile. You will pass an incredibly ugly concrete viewing building where locals and tourists can sit with a coffee and watch the strange amalgamation of boats ease in and out of sight. As you putter into the last lock, the monkey line dodging is over and the inviting Pacific Ocean glimmers below. Nostalgia and emotion mix like bubbling wakes. For us, it is more than five years since we have glided through this ocean. We are on our last leg back to Australia. Urgently, we are snapped out of our reverie. The last lock has a powerful push of water coming through. Lines must be affixed promptly. Daydreaming and reminiscing has to wait. 
At last the mighty doors creak open and free the placid boats and fidgety crew into the channel. The pilot will jump ship shortly after the last lock and you race just a few miles to Balboa in order to pick up an elusive mooring. The moorings at Balboa Yacht Club are often full, but with boats coming and going regularly, if you are patient, you will find a free one. This is not as easy as it sounds. The adrenaline come down after completing the locks leaves you weary and wanting to just tie up safely, stop and consume inordinate amounts of alcohol. The moorings cost us 13 US dollars a day. That's for our 10 metre boat. And anchoring is free. But there are bonuses, and I'd never thought I'd say it, for paying out money. One, you do not have to use your dinghy. Free taxis give you a ride to and from shore and to and from other boats. Two, it is safe and secure. Three, the ropes are collected from the dock. And four, the ties are collected from your boat. And five, the bar is four boat lengths away. To anchor it is free, however it is not so secure and your dinghy will be left on a remote dock. It's further from town as well. And it's two miles away from the majority of boaties and bar where you can have a good yak. Again, it's personal choice. Chattering boaties fill the bar nightly. A heady mix of fatigue, relief and tangible excitement stirs through the tables. Burgers and beer are too readily available. The crew on Maraitu clean forget the quantity of starch we have consumed pre-canal and crave more fuel to enable us to tell others of our canal crossing and patiently listen to their experience. Audible sighs and clinking of glasses welcome the vivid sunset across the resting boats, swinging peacefully on moorings. We sit contentedly and wonder what the hell all the fuss and worry was about. I do hope you enjoyed that journey through the Panama Canal. I feel absolutely privileged that we were able to have that experience and share it with our wonderful family. On our website, sistershiptraining.com, I'll put some pictures up of our experience. And there's lots more there. There's other podcasts, videos, tips and articles if you'd like to have a look. And please say good day. Be nice to say hello. That's all I've got time for today and I wish you safe sailing.